Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Saturday night, or, well, in this case, Sunday morning, as I I record this uh, past midnight here on uh, what was a very interesting and fun Nuggets win over the Sacramento Kings. Five in a row, uh, Nuggets get uh, this one 105-100. It went down to the wire. There were a lot of uh, significant portions of this game where I thought that Denver had a chance to drop it. If they if they messed around for a little bit too long, then they would have let go of the rope. They would have put themselves into a really tough position. However, the starters come back in after the bench gives them a really good segment in the fourth quarter. The, the starters come back in. Will Barton hits a couple threes. Aaron Gordon hits a three. Nikola Jokic gets to the uh, to the basket a little bit, and then Monte Morris hits the the game clincher basically with Denver tied one hundred against the Kings. Denver needs a, a nice basket there with with their like about forty seconds left to go. Monte Morris once again there to provide, and and he's been doing a lot of that over the course of these past few games now. Monte is just on a roll, and and I'm I'm going to talk about him and the starters in the first segment. I'm going to talk about Boogie and the bench in the second segment, and then we're going to talk about where this Nuggets team is, just kind of where uh, this group is over, overall, because it feels like they're they're peaking at the right time. They're in a really really good spot. So let's get into it. Let's start with Monte. Let's start with the starters, and I think the biggest place to start for Monte. Is that last game he was hitting his threes. Very, very efficient. 19.7 of 9 from the field. I think he was like 3 of 4 from 3 or so. Tonight, 21 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 5 of 6 from 3. On the last possession, or not the last possession, but like the last shot that he took, De'Aaron Fox went under. And he went under multiple times in this game. And Monte just burned them every single time they went under the screen, and it was very apparent on this one where they're trying to keep Monte Morris out of the paint. I was asking, I actually asked Monte this post game, why why do you think they still went under you when you were shooting as well as you were? And he said that they they want to keep him out of the paint. They want to keep him away from uh, the painted area. They want to prevent him from giving the ball to Nikola Jokic in that situation. And the best way to prevent Denver from giving it to Nikola Jokic is to go under screens, is to force the other shooters to shoot. And so Monte made the opposing team pay, made the Kings and De'Aaron Fox pay on this occasion, and he's been doing it a lot over the course of these past few games. And it's just very nice to see what he has been able to do in the stead of Jamal Murray where the Nuggets have needed somebody to step up on a consistent basis, and it has been Monte Morris. He's been their third best player, I think, this year, or at least close to it with Will Barton. I think those two have been in the same tier. But on the season, Monte Morris is now shooting 39% from three, 393 to be exact. He's shooting 48.4 from the field, 393 from three, and 85.7 from the free throw line. He's averaging 4.3 assists, one turnover. He has just been enormous for this Nuggets team. And it's been really, really impressive to see where in the stead of Jamal Murray, where you need somebody to step up in these situations, 
the Nuggets know that they can go to the two-man game of Nikola Jokic and Monte Morris. And they've done it with Will Barton, too. They've done it with Aaron Gordon, too. They've had some segments with other players, or sometimes they just dump it into the post. But Monte has been so good, and just got to give him credit for how he's been able to run the team in this stretch. The Nuggets would not be where they were, where they are today, without Monte Morris stepping up. So got to give him credit where it's due. Aaron Gordon's the next guy I want to talk about. 23 points on 8 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. This was one of AG's best shooting displays, where there were a couple possessions in the second half that you got a question, but for the most part, it just felt like Aaron Gordon was hitting everything. He was absolutely on fire in the first half, especially where he's hitting turnarounds, he's hitting step backs, he's hitting sidesteps, he's hitting pull-ups. It was just a very impressive shooting display. And the great thing about Aaron Gordon at this point is that's not the best thing that he does. The best thing that he does on the offensive end is he cuts to the rim, gives Nikola Jokic a nice passing target, and then finishes above the rim at around a 70 to 75% clip. When he's shooting the ball this well, when he's put into, into this position where the Nuggets need somebody that they can go give the ball and get a bucket to, sometimes it's been Will Barton, sometimes it's been Monte Morris off the pick and roll. But when you have Aaron Gordon and you can give it to him in the mid post and he can get a nice, efficient shot, that's always going to be beneficial for the Nuggets. And I've just been really impressed with the way that he's handled himself and how physically good he looks down the stretch, or not not down the stretch, but after the All-Star break. He was playing against Harrison Barnes, and Harrison Barnes had a good game. Like, let's, let's be honest, Harrison Barnes was a plus 15 tonight in 38 minutes. That means that the Kings were minus 20 in the minutes that Harrison Barnes didn't play. But I do think that Aaron Gordon matched him stride for stride in a lot of ways. Also had nine rebounds, was very good on that end as well. And then he defended De'Aaron Fox down the stretch, had some good moments. And when you put him in situations where he's near the basket, he was able to clear a lot of important rebounds for the Nuggets to ensure that they didn't have second chance points go to the Kings. And there there were some uh, important times during the game where the Kings got some second chance points. So it's nice to see AG get nine defensive rebounds, shoot the ball efficiently, play within the flow of the offense, but also kind of break the flow of the offense at times because he was the guy that they went to. There was a possession in the first half where Nikola Jokic, uh, or actually it was AG who got the ball. He went into the post, didn't like the position that he was in, passed it out to Nikola Jokic, and then Nikola Jokic dumped it back into the post for him. Because he he put him into a good position, and AG like wanted to score. Nikola knew he wanted to score, and so he gave him back the ball. And it's just one of those plays that kind of goes by the wayside that, that you don't necessarily think about, but Nikola trusting his teammate, Aaron Gordon rewarding that trust, and putting him into a position where he can do the, the cool thing, I think is pretty cool within the grand scheme of things. Will Barton. 4 of 11 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 4 assists, 1 turnover. I didn't think that this was the greatest game from Will. I thought that he had some good moments, and the two threes that he hit 
in the fourth quarter were so big, like like really, really big, that he gets some credit despite the fact that I didn't think it was his best game. Four assists to one turnover is also very good. Wasn't necessarily making the mistakes I think that you you think of when you think of Will. Not and let me rephrase that actually. Sometimes Will can be mistake prone when he tries to go get his buckets. I didn't feel like there was a lot of that tonight. There was like one minor stretch in the first half. But other than that, like he was sometimes he just missed. And that's just kind of how it felt tonight. But he also had a couple of good possessions late against Justin Holiday, against Harrison Barnes, and you need somebody to step up in those situations when Sacramento was playing really well. And they they were making a lot of shots, especially shots in the, the post area and in the in the paint. 52 points in the paint for the Sacramento Kings. They were abusing it down there. But Will held up, did a really good job, and he got the defensive player of the game chain. Uh, despite that, I, I don't know if he necessarily deserved it over Austin Rivers, but I do think that Will Barton had enough good moments that, hey, give him credit where it's due. It's absolutely big. Nikola Jokic, uh, not the best game from Nikola. I do think that it is kind of interesting, right? That I don't know if it's just, hey, this is a matchup against the Kings, not necessarily the most important one to Nikola. Uh, it is post-All-Star break, not necessarily going to worry about it, given that Denver still got their wins. But Nikola wasn't as precise tonight, for sure. Uh, 0 of 5 from 3, and 3 of the 3s that he attempted were air balls. Uh, A couple of them were late shot clock shots, so I'm not going to necessarily blame him for air balling in those situations, but he wasn't at his best tonight. And the reason why I led with Monte Morris, Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, was that those guys kind of carried the day. It wasn't like, like, Nicola still had 18, 10, and 11. 18 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, only two turnovers. Didn't have a steal or a block, but he got a couple clutch stops late against Sabonis, against Harrison Barnes. But I do think that Jokic, in this case, he's being held to such a high standard. And I am part of the reason why he's being held to such a high standard. Like, if you want to win MVP, and I don't, I don't know if he wants that. I, I want that for him. And I also think that it's important to be that guy every single night in these cases. Now, it's nearly impossible for a player to be that guy every single night. But if this is a bad Jokic game and he still gets 18, 10, and 11, then I'm, I'm willing to forgive that. But it just means that he has to come out next game. I'm pretty sure they play tomorrow against the Trailblazers, who won't have Yusuf Nurkic. He has to come out and dominate in those situations. Tonight, he was matched up against Sabonis. He did a good job against Sabonis. He did a good job against the Kings overall on the defensive end. But the Kings are the Kings. And there will come a time where Denver doesn't play a sub-500 team. Right now, they're on a run of sub-500 teams. And so maybe Nicola is going to take it a little bit easier. As long as they're getting wins, it doesn't really matter. But I do think he's been a little bit, not aloof, but he didn't play with the same precision that he did in the first pre-All-Star break section of this season. 
and that's okay. We will see what he does from now on, but I am curious to see what he does going forward. And then finally, uh, Jeff Green, five points on 20 minutes, nothing really to write home about. He did have a couple nice drives, a couple nice plays, uh, but he's 0 of 3 tonight from the three-point line. He, he I'm a little bit worried about uh, from the three-point line. He's now down to 31% from three on the year. And I know sometimes it feels like it's better. Sometimes it feels like, hey, big-time corner three-point shooter, he can make those shots. But last year, he shot 41% from three. And I do think that if he can get back to that level, then that sort of changes the equation a little bit. But right now, he's not necessarily shooting it at the level that I think one would hope. And because so many of his shots are corner threes and kind of in that P.J. Tucker role a little bit, I do think he has to remain more efficient in those situations. Now, he's such a low usage guy that it's not a big deal, and he doesn't play the most amount of minutes of everybody, so it's really not a big deal. But we're just going to have to see. We're going to have to see what he does, and I am very curious to see uh, whether he can kind of break this funk a little bit against some of these other sub-500 teams. Now, he might be in the Joker category where you're saving it for the teams that matter. And honestly, I'd prefer that he saved it for the teams that matter. Because if Denver can still get wins against the Sacramento Kings and and the Blazers and the Thunder and the Rockets and teams like that, then I'm not really concerned. But it would be nice to see him go off. It would be nice to see him shoot more efficiently, rebound a little bit more, pass a little bit more. Like It does feel like he's kind of not necessarily involved all the time. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about a strong bench unit performance. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by the greatest sponsor of all time, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Hoops fans, as you know, uh, the latest offer from DraftKings is one that is going to be talked about for the ages. It's the the between-the-legs 360 windmill dunk of offers where new customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with new same-game parlays, where you combine multiple bets together from the same game, get a bigger payout. The more legs of the parlay you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS, where you bet just $1 on any NBA team, get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code MHS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply, minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. 
I love to see those reviews. I love to see those ratings when they pop up. Helps brighten the day for sure. Uh, if you're interested, that would be that would be fantastic. All right, let's get into the bench unit. And, and we had the return of DeMarcus Cousins tonight where he was just signed on Friday officially, uh, made his full contract debut against his former team in the Sacramento Kings. And it was very interesting to see how he played, how he matched up against Sabonis. And he matched up against Sabonis a lot. Like, it really felt like all of his minutes overlapped with uh, DeMontis. And that's a, a very interesting matchup for him where Sabonis plays pretty physically, but he's also pretty agile. How was Cousins going to match up with that? How is he going to make an impact? And he did. Nine points in 14 minutes on three of six from the field, three of four from the line, O of one from three, but that's okay. Eight rebounds in 14 minutes. Eight rebounds is a lot. That That is a lot of rebounds, and he makes things easier for the entire bench unit when he's in position to rebound. And then outlet, there was a really, really impressive outlet pass that he threw, kind of uh, dribbled up in transition, hit a cross-court uh, pass to a streaking Jermichael Green. Green mishandled the pass, but he did kick it out to Bryn Forbes, though Bryn missed the three. It was very impressive to watch DeMarcus tonight, I thought, where he made a couple nice passes. Uh, he had two steals and a block, had four turnovers, but it, like a couple of them were screening fouls, I'm pretty sure. And there were a few mistakes in there. So I'm not like, I don't want to completely um, like just go over those like like or, or <laughs> dismiss those. That's the word that I'm thinking of. Sorry. Um, but I do think that it's impossible to look at what the, what this bench is doing, where you look at the plus minuses. Bones was plus nine. Forbes was plus 10. Rivers was plus nine. Michael Green was a plus four. He overlapped with the starters a bit. And DeMarcus Cousins was a plus 10. And you look at that and you say, okay, well, Denver won by five. All of the starters, except for Jeff Green, who was a net neutral, all of the other starters were negative. And I was talking about them in a mostly positive way, but the Kings were matching what the starters were doing pretty much. Like Fox had 26, Harrison Barnes had 24, Justin Holiday had 15 points on 10 shots. All of those guys were really, really good. Sabonis, of course, 14 points on 14 shots. So he was solid. The Kings starters were solid. Where was the margin? It was with the bench unit. And I do think that that unit in particular, it's not necessarily Jamichael Green, but I do think that the three guards with Bones, Rivers, and Forbes, they work together so well with DeMarcus that I think that when you have a stretch four next to those guys, and Jamichael Green hit another three tonight, his three-point percentage is on the rise. Let me just look it up here real quick. Jamichael Green's up to 28% from three now. Like he, he was down to 24, 25% just a few games ago. When you have a stretch four next to DeMarcus, who's going to be a physical presence inside, when you have three guards that are going to kind of run the three guard weave around DeMarcus, Denver's been able to generate solid offense. Hasn't been perfect, but Bones goes two of five from three. 
Rivers goes two of five from three. And I think DeMarcus is the guy that they orbit around for the most part. So it's nice to see him having a positive impact. The Nuggets are 9-0 and when he plays. It really is tangible. And whether it's just because he's a big-bodied center or if it's because he's the guy, I'm not really sure it matters anymore because he's here. He's going to be the guy for the foreseeable future. And he's ramping up physically, looks even better. The crowd loves him. Like It's, it's very evident that everybody's just extremely happy to watch him here, which I think is fascinating. But I do think that it's just a nice thing for Denver to have. He's a good energy boost for when he comes into the game. And when he goes out, it means that Jokic is back in. So it's not really a bad thing that to have a backup center now where you can get plus 10 and, and feel pretty good about it, that is a great way for Denver to win games. Great, great, great way. Because how many times has Jokic in his career, not, not his career, but this season been a minus five? I think he's been a minus in 13 out of 54 games, if I'm not mistaken. Now, I could be wrong about that. I'll have to go check that again. But when Jokic is a minus and you still win the game, that is such a big deal. That's a nice barrier that you can get because it's just, it never has happened it, for the entire season. The team was like, oh, for when he was a minus. So it's really, really nice to be in this situation now. Bones tonight, I thought was fine. I thought that there were some highs. I thought there were some lows. But he does, he does go for 11 points on three of six from the field, two of five from three. Got fouled on a, free, on a three-pointer, so he got to the line three times as well. Three rebounds, three assists, one turnover. A couple bad decisions with the ball. A couple mistakes on the defensive end or or just being outsized by a guy like Harrison Barnes on a switch. And it's sometimes that's uncontrollable. Like maybe maybe Rivers would have been outsized too or Brent Forbes would have been outsized too. But I do think that Bones was in that situation more often than those other guys and it really was apparent tonight from where I was sitting. For the most part, he was also a plus 9. Like it just it felt Fine. It felt like it felt pretty good. So I'm not going to complain about it. Um, who else? Jamichael Green. Uh, like I said, a pretty pretty nondescript night from him, but he did hit a three. His role is so interesting for Denver, where sometimes he'll be the benefit of more shots, but on a night like tonight, where the bench was pretty evenly split between the other four guys between Cousins, Bones, Rivers, and Forbes for the usage, it did feel like Jermichael Green kind of faded into the background. And that's okay. Like, he can be the guy on other nights. Or maybe Zeke Naji gets an opportunity when he gets healthy. But I do think it's nice to see Jermichael Green in a situation where he can be successful. Because for much of the year, he's been put into this really tough situation as the backup center. And a lot of that with Vaca Compazzo. So I do think that it's nice to see him in the positive. And it kind of affirms that, yes, he is a good basketball player. He didn't forget how to play basketball, despite the fact that sometimes it felt that way from watching him for much of the year. So it's good to see him being put into strong positions, succeeding in these positions. His first game back after the All-Star break was very good. 
this game was fine. So I'll take fine. Like, fine is fine. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Bryn Forbes, bad shooting night tonight, but he was also a plus 10, got to the line four times, and he also got a steal tonight. So that's that's one thing that you, you don't necessarily expect from him. But it's nice to see that Denver could still space the floor with that second unit, even though they didn't get a great night for Bryn Forbes shooting. Because his shooting is it's just so threatening for most of the season, for most of the team, and for most of the rotation, that he takes a lot of the attention away from other guys. That even if he doesn't shoot well on a night, other guys were the beneficiary of some open shots because of him. So that's how this works. Like sometimes role players are not going to shoot well, but you still hope for the overall health of the unit. If guys are continuing to generate shots, if the presence of them out there, even if they're not making them, if their presence out there is drawing attention, that's what matters. And that's one of the reasons why Denver's bench was good tonight, was that they had guys that required attention every single time. And then finally, Austin Rivers. I've said this several times, and I'm going to say it again. He is a player that I continue to trust, and I didn't expect it with the way that he started the season, with the way that things were looking. He was in a situation where he looked pretty bad. And playing next to Faku, playing next to Bones at the two, it hasn't been good for much of the year. But I do think when you pair him with Bryn Forbes, when you give him a start, when you give him a center, when you play him as a closer in a lineup that also features Monte Morris, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic, I do think that Denver's been put into a situation here where they have a player that they can trust down the stretch. Rivers is a guy that Michael Malone might be his new trust guy right now. He went down the stretch with him tonight. He seems like a guy that Michael Malone is very comfortable trusting in these situations because he knows he's going to get good defensive play. And Rivers is liable to make an outside shot. He on the season. Let me just make sure I'm not crazy here. He's shooting 34.6% from three. So it's competent now. It's definitely not the best. It could be better. But I do think that from where he was at the start of the year, he's now a guy that I think you can trust fully in a closing situation because he's a veteran. He knows where to be. He's not going to screw up the offense. When he receives the ball, he's either going to shoot or drive or pass, and he's not going to hesitate in those situations. He's cut the the hesitation on the outside jumper out a lot. All those shots really are are catch-and-shoot opportunities, so it's nice to see Denver has several guys that they can go to in these situations and feel pretty good, and I feel pretty good about where this team is at. Like... They were missing Zeke Naji, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter tonight. And never in my mind tonight did I really feel like the game was going to slip away. I know they were playing the Kings. I know that the Kings are not that good. But there are players on the Kings, like like a De'Aaron Fox, like a Justin Holiday, that are always liable, and Harrison Barnes for sure, that are always liable to give Denver trouble. They've burned Denver in the past. And it's nice to see the Nuggets. In these situations over Thursday and tonight, Saturday, 
where they take care of business and they just look like the proper team. They look like the veteran team, the quality, good team, like very Spurs-esque that just takes care of business against the bad teams and, and doesn't really screw around. And, and they, they were kind of hot-dogging it for two and a half, three quarters there. But you locked in at the proper time, and it's been like that for much of the year. And we're going to talk about that. Let's talk about that on the other side. When we come back, we're going to discuss where this Nuggets team is as a unit. We will be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. All right, let's get into where this Nuggets team is at right now. And I, I think the data is going to speak for itself here, where the Nuggets are very clearly just a good team. They're the sixth seed right now. They are tied with Dallas at 35 and 25 for the fifth seed. Dallas does have the tiebreaker head to head. So, Denver, if they want to pass them, which I don't think they do. If they wanted to pass them, they would have to um they would have to beat them by one game. So if Dallas hypothetically finished with 50 wins, then Denver would have to finish at 51 if they wanted to. I don't know if either team's getting up that high, but I do think that the Nuggets are in a position where they can start thinking about 50 wins as a reasonable goal where through 60 games, they've got 35 wins. If you go in the in the final 22 games, if you go 15 and 7, which I think is very viable, you get up to 50. And if Denver wins 50 games, then I think you can very clearly put Nicola in the the MVP conversation where uh, it doesn't matter like like Russell Westbrook won 47 games, if I'm not mistaken. He was either 47 or 30 or 48 as the sixth seed for the Thunder in 2016-17 and still won the MVP. So I think you're starting to get to that category where Denver's a good enough team. And what Nicola has done in this case has been good enough. They've got a a plus 2.4 net rating in the NBA, which is tied with Philly for 10th right now. So they're a borderline top 10 team. Like, I think... They're 8th in offensive rating, 13th in defensive rating. All of the data says that Denver's a good team. All of it, pretty much. Nothing about what's happened seems very fluky. And I've, I've been on this for a while. That they are one of the best teams in the NBA at controlling their fate against the sub-500 teams. Where Denver's played this year 28 games versus teams that are currently below 500. They are 22 and 6, which is, it's not the, the third best record, but it is, I think, the fifth best record in the NBA. And the only teams in the NBA that have lost fewer games than six against the sub 500 teams are the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. That's incredible to be in the position where Denver is, that they have to 
match those games. They have to play that well in order to stay above the Minnesota Timberwolves, which look, that's that's the difference right now. Both of those teams, Minnesota and Denver, six and seven seed. Denver has a three and a half game lead on the T-Wolves. They are both 13 and 19 versus 500 and above teams. 13 and 19. Not great. Not terrible. You want to be about 500 or better if you're going to be a top four seed. But Denver is 22 and 6 versus the sub 500 teams. The T-Wolves are 19 and 10. So Denver's done their work. They've put themselves into a position winning all of those, or not all of them, but enough of those games against the bad teams. They can continue to say they've taken care of business. They've been better at home of late. Uh, Their home record this year. Sorry, let me just try to manipulate the uh, the, the ESPN box score just a little bit. Their home record this year is now 17 and 10. They've only played 27 games at home. Most of the other teams in the Western Conference have all played more. Um, but I do think that Denver's now in a position where as they continue to bone up on these games against sub-500 teams and home games against sub-500 teams, they're still going to keep adding to this record. And despite the fact that Denver hasn't had Murray, they haven't had Porter, it really has been Jokic that's been the driving force behind that. It's very rare that Jokic has a bad game. And even his bad games, like tonight, 18, 10, and 11, that's still really good for driving great offense. And that's where Denver's been over the course of this stretch. Let's take a look at their their performance since January 1st. Because I, I wanna I wanna use that as a cutoff, I think. Because what the Nuggets have been able to do after their schedule got easier. Because let's face it, their their pre-January 1st schedule was one of the hardest in the NBA. It might have been the hardest in the NBA, where you had all of those games on the road. You had very few games where you were had an extended home trip. During the month of November, you had a bunch of games where Nicola sad. You had the team trying to get adjusted to being without Michael Porter. So there are a lot of questions. Since January 1st, the Nuggets are fifth in net rating. They are 18 and 9. They have tied for the fourth most wins in the NBA since January 1st. Their offensive rating since that time is third, behind only the Phoenix Suns and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Their defensive rating is 12th. So third and 12th is generally going to be good enough. And I don't want to just be like, okay, let's just remove the tough part of the schedule because the tough part of the schedule counts too. It's why Denver's a six seed and not a four seed. But I do think that because they were able to survive during that time, they weren't great, but they were average. Because now they're a top five team over the course of this last, I don't know, six weeks, seven weeks. They've been a borderline great team. And having the ability to kind of turn up like that, I think it has really 
it's really raised the the bar, I think, for this group, where I didn't know if they were going to be able to get to this point where now they can put themselves into position for maybe trying to fight for a top four seed, maybe trying to get into yoke into the MVP race. But because their magic number now is at 19, they're putting themselves into a position where they've done their work. They can maybe relax a little bit in the last week or two of the season after they clinch what they need to clinch. And then if they get to that point, then I think you feel a little bit better about bringing back players like Jamal Murray, players like Michael Porter Jr. And you're not necessarily fighting for seeding at that time because you've already got that taken care of. So I do think that we are in a good spot or the Nuggets are in a good spot. I don't want to say we. The Nuggets are in a good spot. Nuggets fans, you should feel pretty good about where the team is. They have done their work, or at least they're in the process of doing their work. All of this could come crashing down in tomorrow's game against the Portland Trailblazers. It absolutely could happen. But I do think that if you're the Nuggets, you got to feel pretty good about where you're at. Speaking of where they're at, Michael Porter tonight. Somebody DM me this. I had multiple people send me this. Michael Porter on Instagram tonight replied to Isaiah Thomas, who's been balling in the G League, by the way, just absolutely on fire. Porter said, and I quote, quote, brother, dot, 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 about to see you next week, LOL. When he was replying to an, an Instagram post by Isaiah Thomas. Now, what does that mean? What is like, I think you could speculate about that in a lot of different ways. And the way that most Nuggets fans are speculating about it is, oh, is the plan for Michael Porter to go see Isaiah Thomas and just like hang out? That seems a little weird. That seems a little odd. So what's the reason why Michael Porter, who's injured, would go down to see the uh, the Grand Rapids Gold. Is he going down there to play? Is he going down there to watch? Well, the Grand Rapids Gold schedule over the course of uh, these next few games, they're in Grand Rapids on Tuesday and on Wednesday. They have a game in Lakeland, Florida on Sunday, March 6th. March 9th, they're on Uniondale, New York, and Thursday, March 10th, they are against the Windy City Bulls in Grand Rapids again. So, I don't know if it's necessarily to play. I wonder if there's a potential for Michael Porter to go down and get some practices in. I do think that it's a little bit of speculation, and it might be unhealthy to speculate. I told people, hey, let's uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. This could be a definite problem if you're just trying to stir up shit for no reason. But Michael Porter did tweet it out, or he, he posted it on Instagram. He replied to that comment. He's like, I'm hey, about to see you. Well, Isaiah Thomas is playing. So where's he going to see him? He's not going to see him like 
Denver doesn't overlap in any of those cities. So how's he going to go see Isaiah Thomas? I assume that he's going to all the Nuggets games, unless he's not. So keep that in the back end. Keep that in the back of your head, I think. I uh, I wonder if we get a Michael Porter Jr. update over the course of this next week, because it does seem like he's getting a little bit closer than people think, a little bit closer than people realize. And from what we've talked about, what Jeff Morton said on this podcast, uh, what Nuggets folks have kind of let slip at various points, and just from watching Mike over the course of all of his warm-ups, how he's warming up, how he's playing, how he's working out, etc. does feel like he's closer than where Jamal is. And it, it's always going to be ambiguous because backs are that way. But I am kind of letting myself get excited here, where you maybe have the return of one of your top shooters. And whether it's going to be for a massive amount of time, whether it's going to be for just spot spot up minutes off the bench, I don't know. But how heartening would that be if you get a guy like that back late in the season and with all the foundation that Denver has established so far with Monte Morris, with Will Barton, with Aaron Gordon, with Jeff Green, with Austin Rivers playing pretty well. Bryn Forbes is in the in the fold now. Jeff Green's here. There's a lot of positives to think about with this Nuggets rotation, where they, they suddenly have a packed rotation rather than one where you're scrambling to find players to play. So hopefully, Michael Porter can add to that problem because that is a great problem to have. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow as the Nuggets play in Portland against the Blazers. Yusuf Nurkic was shut down uh, for a month, so we will probably see Nikola Jokic go up against Drew Eubanks. Um, I'm looking for a big Nikola game on the road. We're going to see whether he can do that, whether the Nuggets are in that position to do that, but... Anthony Simons is going to be a tough matchup. Denver's got a lot of guys that they're going to have to face. Um, The Blazers are feisty, so don't get it twisted. They could absolutely upset Denver. But we will see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.